Hello, everyone, and welcome to The Heart of Sports with Jason Springer and Jeff Cohen. We are thrilled to join you on 610 ESPN, ready to help you move into the weekend, talking about all the news in the world of sports. Jeff, what a week. We got playoffs? Playoffs? We're talking about playoffs. We're talking about playoffs. Yeah. It, was, uh, it was pretty crazy. Uh, where were you watching the game? Which one? What do you mean, which one? <laughs> well, there was the college football playoffs, too. That was a terrible game. I was so disappointed. Well, not not if not if you were if you're a Clemson in Clemson, fan. which yeah. is where I was. Yeah. Oh, yeah. that's right. You were okay. Yeah. So, real fast before we go to our guest, um, mm-hmm. what was it like being near Clemson for the national championship game? Uh, it was a lot more exciting than anywhere else in the country. We were at a bar, and it, it was just people singing the fight song from the opening kickoff to the end of the game. It was a good place to be because yeah. watching it from my home, the national championship game was not what I had hoped for. Yeah, no, th- this was the place. If you're going to be somewhere for the national championship game other than the game, this was the place to be. But when you were at Clemson for the game earlier yeah. this season, you kind of said that this team was better than people were. Uh, yeah, and and next year, my money's on them next year too. I mean, I, I don't know how Lawrence does not, they don't just give him the Heisman for next year. Well, we will He's get that good. We'll get back to our college talk in a minute, but uh, we're going to talk a little pro football. We're going to talk a little bit community involvement. We got Michael Barkan on the line with us from NBC Sports Philadelphia. How you doing today? What's up, Jason and Jeff? How are you? What's going on? Thank you Thanks for joining for us. Me on? Ah, are you kidding me? We we appreciate you know, I, it. You're... I wish I got to watch the national championship game. I was watching the Flyers lose three to nothing to the St. Louis Blues on Monday night, and oh. I would much rather watch Clemson take care of Alabama. I didn't I, get to see much of it. I, I could have told you before the Flyers game what was going to happen <laughs> and saved you the aggravation. <laughs> Come on now. Come yeah. on. They had a nice win last night against the Stars team that's playing much better. They look good. Um, but, you know, it, it, look, it's a struggle for them this year. And, uh, it's a struggle we'll for fans, too. Car- Carter, yeah. Hart, Carter yeah. Hart looked really good, though. I mean, he had 37 saves out of 38 shots, and, and on the power play, he did not give up a goal. Yeah, this kid, 20 years old, 37 saves. It was his eighth start. And um, in, in two of the other starts, two of the previous seven, he had had 34 saves two times. Um, and he he has looked really good. And you know what else? When you hear him talk after games, he sounds like a leader. Oh, he's so composed. When you talk, isn't he? Yeah. And, and then you look at him, he looks like he's 12. I was going to say, but, you but, don't expect that type of composure and, and poise to come out of somebody looking like they're going to get carded every place they go. He has <laughs> been playing He's right. been playing competitive hockey for so long, though. It's almost like he's been a professional for a long time. I, I wonder yeah. if his parents well, have I, always been that nervous watching him. <laughs> yes, his mom gets pretty nervous. She and, does. And his, uh, yeah, and his, uh, the, the guy who's billet. So, uh, he gets pretty nervous as well. But, it's hey, I think at least we have something. You look to the future of this team. That's what this the, the Flyers have not had in a long time. No, and it's definitely something to watch as we build from. Jeff and I have talked for years about how until they figure out the goaltending issue, they're not really going anywhere. But uh, I did want to ask you real fast first about the Eagles. Um, I turned on yes, I turned on post-game live last week, and – I was so glad they got the video of you guys in studio for that uh, ending kick because it looked like my living room with people <laughs> jumping up and down. And so tell me about the reaction of yourself and, and Barrett. Of course, Ray had his head down in his notepad. Uh, not surprised by that at all. What was the reaction for you guys watching that game in the end of it? Because I was really glad they showed it on TV. Well, you know, we were watching it with all of you. We were we were stunned. And, and um, you know, between the four of us, I think Barrett and I probably are the most uh, 
crazed and uh, not Ray right? managed to half Ray, not Ray. <laughs> Ray managed to half smile, looked up, and then yep, okay, they won. Now I'll go back to my notes and check out all the statistics. So so and, and Seth Seth was like had this look on his face like that's football, man. You just don't know. But I, I like that. I like for Cody Parkey's sake. Um, I like the fact that it was it was a, a block and not a missed kick, just because. I know he gets paid. I know he makes money. I, I get all that stuff, but but that's that's tough. And and that's from the town of Steve Bartman. Yes. For goodness sakes. He so, and he handled it uh, like a complete pro. He he stood there and took the questions afterwards from the media, and he hasn't really hidden from it. And and you're right for it now to be changed to a block. It. I mean, <laughs> that last drive um, for both sides had me uh, kind of losing my. Any color that I had left in my hair over here, Michael. Uh, <laughs> you and me both. You and me both. But what? but it's you know it's it's the type of thing where um, look both both sides come to play and it's the cliche but it's true. I think the Eagles' defense is much better. It's much improved. Certainly their front is. Their secondary is improved. But you've got you don't have slouches on the other side in Chicago. And I, I can't stand when the Eagles play that prevent. I just, I just don't like it. Oh. I know they're afraid of getting gashed. They do it every time. There's some kind of significant play, and they want to keep keep another team inside of a certain yard line, and it just drives me crazy. And but, Jeff will tell you, yeah. I have complained about it on the radio here when the defenders are basically not even in the shot when they're at a wide shot because they're so far right. off to keep them in front of the sticks, and we give up just about a yard short so that now they can have a decision about whether to go for it on fourth down. Yeah, I don't like that either. Yeah. So, so, um, but it, it ends up working out and, um, I, I thought they played a heck of a game. I thought Foles played a heck of a game and I'm interested to see what happens in New Orleans this weekend with, uh, with Nikki six. And I don't think it's going to be 48 to seven. I certainly don't think that. So they might lose. And if they lose, there's no shame in it because New Orleans got possibly as the Super Bowl champion down there again. But, um, you know, I think the Eagles are going to throw some things at them. Both on both sides of the ball that that are going to make this game way closer than most people think. You think they're going to be running the ball more in this game than they did last week? I think you know what I think they will run the ball uh, more. I I thought that what that, that really is where where I tip my cap to Doug Peterson is even though he got little gain from running the ball, he stayed with it and it helped open up the passing part. You know he. he I think they averaged 1.8 yards per carry, something like that, in in carries where where it didn't involve um, Foles. I, Foles maybe ran it one or two times. So, but still 1.8 yards, and yet he still ran the ball. And I'm thinking that's 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 good. And the, he m- must have had to talk himself out of it because he likes to throw, and he certainly threw the ball a ton. He threw the ball way more than he ran it, and this is primarily in the first half. But he still stayed with it. So yeah, I do think I do think he he will uh, try to run the ball. And if it's successful, then I mean that, that changes the whole complexion of the game. Then I think that you, you really could see the Eagles with, with a lead or, or win it outright if that running game's effective. But the the uh, Saints got a they got a great defense too, and their defense I think the Saints defense really is is what has kept them in games over the past say three four five weeks. When you look at at, at the Saints and who they played. Um, I I really think that that uh, the Eagles will be every bit their comp- competition. Well, and they're giving up back- seven points fewer a game in in their last since week twelve. New Orleans is their defense, but their offense hasn't been scoring nearly as much. So we'll have to see. No, 
what sort of shakes out there. I think I think, right. I think what's happening is the wide the, the lack of wide receiver depth is starting to hurt them. And and mm-hmm. if and if you saw their injury report this week, I mean obviously everybody's injured this this week, but you look at New Orleans injury report, five of the guys on there were offensive linemen. So, you know, yeah. Fletcher Cox and, and Michael Bennett have to be uh, licking their chops there. This is a different secondary than the last time they played. It seems like the team's treating that New Orleans loss as a turning point. Um, they were embarrassed. And, you know, I don't always put a, a lot of stock in, in payback. But I think that the team's going there to, to really try and avenge how they played earlier in the season. What, do you, what are your feelings going into the game this weekend? Obviously, we'll watch for you on Sunday making your pick. But... What what do you what are your thoughts going into the dome? It'll obviously be loud there, but I feel like the Eagles are in a much better place than they were the last time they were there. Oh, I completely agree. I, I think you, you start with the lines on both sides of the ball, whether it's the offensive line or defensive line. They're playing better, both offensively and defensively. The secondary is, is either they, they either have better players in spots where guys were faltering, or they've revived guys that were faltering, and that's significant as well and then you look at the saints and as you just mentioned when you uh, november 22nd they blew out the falcons okay so who did uh and then they lost to the cowboys 13 10 uh, and that was at dallas and then they blew out the buccaneers again who didn't and by that blowout i mean 28 14 they barely beat the panthers 12 9 uh they barely beat the steelers at home uh, 31-28, and then they lost to the Panthers in a meaningless game, so who cares about that? But when you look at, at, with regard to the Eagles, that game was the low point of the season, November 18th. That was a game where you'll recall, we probably, I'm sure that both of you said this as well, this is a loss, they're going to lose this game, and not only did they lose it, they lost it in record fashion, worst loss for a, a defending Super Bowl champion ever. And, so, and we've so had that was the low point. after that point we had reporters on who were saying, "Okay, I was starting to do my draft prep." Like, the, yeah, right? <laughs> nobody right. really thought that we'd be talking playoffs at that point after that loss. No, are you kidding me? What was that? That was that was week eleven. Yes. Yeah, it was. It was over. It was over for them. And, and um, you know, but guess what? That's why they play an entire schedule and, and they they turned it around. And I have to give huge props to Doug Peterson. And if you're like me, you're thinking, all right, how much did, uh, how much did Frank Reich and, and uh, John DiFilippo really help Doug Peterson? How much did, did all that help the, the game planning and the, and the play calling? And Doug Peterson has done this his own self uh, this year. And it started out slowly. Certainly players were injured. No one, I always say no one wants to hear about injuries because they're not sexy. No one wants to hear the excuse of injuries. Everybody's got the injuries, but it doesn't mean that it doesn't make a difference. And you got your secondary out, and you got Jay Ajayi out, and you got Mike Wallace out, and, and certainly Carson Wentz. Um, that's, that, that, that's all significant to a football team, and it's got to affect your preparation. It's got to affect your game calling, and it's got to affect your comfort level. And so I think now with this group here, they, they're they're comfortable over the what four straight five of the last six. That's you know, that's nothing. That's not, that's not nothing. And and um, I think you probably heard Doug Peterson say after the game, he says, you know, you know what we got what we got on our hands coming up next week. You know what we're do, going down there to do. And I think that they're going to make it a game. Uh, they might not win. I'm going to pick them to win because that's what I do. But but <laughs> they, they they might not. Um, but but uh, I think they got a shot. Certainly, don't I, you? I do. 
Uh, I'm picking them. Uh, Jeff, I haven't asked you your pick yet. Go ahead. No. I, I, th- I think what was, it, what was interesting is that he was comfortable even with guys I certainly wouldn't have been comfortable with. The fact that he threw the ball to Golden Tate on the, on the goal line to me, was an impressive call considering Golden Tate hasn't done much since he's been here. Michael, I was just happy because I've been telling Jeff I was wrong for weeks on the radio because I was in favor of the Golden Tate trade. And I had to have my comeuppance here on the radio over and over again each week for him not doing much. I think that was his Fred right. Mitchell moment. It, look, at that point, I mean, it, it makes you advance. Okay, so is it worth it for you now, Jeff? Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Uh-huh. Is it, Jeff? But, but well, Jace, here's the thing though. You, you you're talking about the Cowboys getting Amari Cooper, and everyone's oh, we should have had him. We should have had him. Uh, he and, drops and, the ball and way Golden, too much. Right? You, you, I, well, that's one. But two, you just can't. I mean, unless Golden Tate is going to be your feature wide receiver, and they didn't make him that. They kind of eased him in. Um, so it was it was a real uphill climb for him. And I'm interested so, to see and, how he and the receivers do against this pass defense this week. Because, I mean, that's a little bit of a, you know, uh, it's just a little bit of a different look for them. The The Saints' strength is not their pass defense. So let's see what Nick can do with some of these wide receivers against New Orleans. Yeah, well, I think I think he's going to, uh, I think he's going to do a lot. Um, I, I like this guy. And, you know, I know he's 30 years old and I, I, I know he's been, He's been here and there with with the Eagles and with the Rams and with the Chiefs, and he's thought about getting out of football. But just how much more does anybody want than than the proof that he has given us on the field? It's it's amazing. The, the and I know, story is just spectacular for him. It really is. It is, but but it's it's spectacular. I mean, it's spectacular, and it's not spectacular because spectacular seems it's otherworldly, like can't happen. But it did happen. It is happening. In again. front of us again, so, again, yeah. again, right, right. You saw the you saw the cover of Sports Illustrated this week, right? Yeah, that's just one word again, again. Oh, no, not the chinks, Jeff. Right? It was just a re- uh, it was just a regional <laughs> issue, Jeff. Don't worry, okay. exactly right. right. M- Michael, I could ask issue. you sports all day long. I know you got to be on the air tonight, but I did want to ask you a little bit about because we like to talk more than sports, and you guys have your Barkhand Family Healing Hearts Foundation. Can you tell us a little bit about that and, and what it does? And then I, I want to ask you about an event coming up, too. Absolutely. Thank you for asking me. Um, my wife, Ellen, and I have we, we always felt it important uh, to give back to the community. Certainly, she was born and raised here. I, I was born and raised in central New Jersey, but I've, I've been here all told over 30 years. And this is my home. This is where my, my children uh, grew up, are, are growing up. And, and so we, we just always have thought it important to pay it forward. And um, so we put together a charity. It's called the Barkhan Family Healing Hearts Foundation. And we give money, funds, uh, anything we can really to people who are suffering trauma in their lives that are in our area. And we go through social workers. We go through word of mouth. uh, We vet everybody we we give funds to. But for example, um, there was a woman... um, from West Philly, she she was in the, in the armed services and, and she her house collapsed, which gives you some idea about the state of her home. Her house collapsed. She was basically outdoors. We gave her some money. There, there was uh, Ed Davies, who's a Philadelphia police officer. Uh, he's been in the news lately. He was shot underneath his vest several years ago and um, he survived. But you don't get a lot of funds from the police department, um, if any, 
uh, if you're if you die, you do. But if you're shot uh, and injured in the line of duty, uh, you don't get much. And so we we um, gave him we've given him a substantial amount of money to get him back up on his feet. And he's now back with the force and he's um, uh, he's at the police academy. He's running, helping to run the police academy. So it, it, those those types of instances are are, are what we're trying to uh, help people kind of cope with. And um, I, I, I said, I, you know, when, when you're going through something like this, you, your heart is literally, it's, it's broken. Whether you've lost a loved one, you've lost a son, you've lost a father, a mother, a family member, your hearts are breaking. And I thought, all right, maybe we can just take a little step toward helping to heal some of these uh, fine people. And they're, they're, they're all wonderful people. They're, they really are. And they're, they're, they're so appreciative. And um, we wanted to see where the money was going. And we had an experience after 9-11 when we put on a fundraiser and we, um, we raised $50,000 uh, for a certain charity. I won't, I won't say the name. And um, they, they said, oh, thank you very much. We'll put this in our, in our, you know, like our general fund. And we said, no, no, we don't want it to go to your general fund. We want it to go to New York. We want it to go to Western Pennsylvania and we want it to go to DC and the, and, and those who were, who were affected in the crashes in those cities. And we still, we had no guarantee that that's exactly where the money went. And that was very frustrating because that's what, that's what we told people who were coming out to the fundraiser that, that the money was going. So, um, this gives us a, a chance to keep it in the community, see who we're helping. And it's, um, we've been doing it for about six years and it's, we've given away more than half a million dollars to wow. those in our community. And Mike Barnes uh, does a great job running our charity. Uh, he and my wife, um, run it together, but he's our executive director. And, um, it's, it's been really, it's been a blessing and, um, we're, we're just so so happy and so humble to be able to do this. We always we got an event coming up. Yeah, uh, I was going to say we I always could, if I can mention. Yeah, I was going to I was going to ask ahead. you about that. We always talk on the show about the impact that sports and athletes can make on the community, and I mean that's kind of the example of it. You know, you take the platform you have and use it to make a difference to the people that that watch those sports all the time, or that maybe not watch them. So, yeah, do me a favor. Tell yeah. us about how we can come get bruised with the bullies. Yeah, baby. Thank you very much. Uh, Brews with the Bullies is on Saturday, January 26th at Yards Brewery. And I love Yards Brewery. I love their brawler. That's, a, that's, a, that's my favorite beer. It's certainly up there with other beers. The Yards Brewery, it's a 500 Spring Garden in, uh, in Philadelphia. And the Broad Street Bullies will be serving Yards beers to guests from 7 p.m. until 9 p.m. on Saturday night. So if you want to see Dave the Hammer Schultz and Bob the Hound Kelly and other Flyers greats come on out. Tickets are $60 per person. It's two hours of all yards, beers on tap, unlimited wine, appetizers, and um, it's going to be Philly wings. Um, we got we got some – it'll be great. Uh, obviously, I'll be there, um, and, and I'll bring some friends as well. So it, it should be – it should be a lot of fun. And people um, can get more but, information about the event and the organization. The Barcan the, Foundation. Yes, thank you. <clears throat> the BarcanFoundation.org. The BarcanFoundation.org. Well, uh, and you can get more information. We'll have to have um, you back on for a uh, Beers with Michael Barcan segment where we, we have you recommend it. other beers and talk a little more sports. But uh, we definitely appreciate you coming on and, and wanted to thank you uh, for the work you're doing with the organization and also coming on talking a little sports with us. Jason, Jeff, thank you so much for having me. You guys sound great, and uh, I really appreciate it. I, I, I hope 
I hope when I'm back, we're talking about, you know, the, the Super, Super Bowl, Bowl appearance by the Eagles. That'd be great. Or yeah. a parade, something like that. Oh, It'd be and, awesome. And Michael, Possible. We'll, we'll also have to talk about, I believe that you went to East Brunswick High School. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so did I. Did you? Yes, I did. Yeah. Look yeah, at this, a little reunion on the air. A East Brunswick it's a, Bears. It's a class reunion, reunion yeah, right. on the air. That's adorable. <laughs> class reunion, yeah. The cla- yeah, class separated, I'm sure, by like three, four decades. <laughs> <laughs> I wish. You know, I, have, I, have, I, have, I have trophies in that trophy case. I'm sure they're all rusty, I, and, and I haven't been there in a long time. But I was... Um, I used to I used to joke with uh, with Ike Reese. I used to say, you know, I ran cross country. That's a tough sport, not like a sissy sport like football. Man, you can turn an ankle, you can turn an ankle on a trail. It's not easy to do. Um, I can't imagine I was, I Ike's reaction runner. to that when you tried yeah, to pull yeah, that out there. It was, it was it was similar to yours. Like, oh, are you kidding me? Please, you little scrawny thing. But 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 um when, when yeah. So I was I was fortunate enough to to have some success at it and. Um, I've always wondered if those trophies are. Man, that was a long time ago. We took those trophies <laughs> down, man. They're gone. They, they've, They're they've, gone. they've they've moved it out at this point. Well, they were we, made yeah, of wood yeah, back we then. We, right. we, we melted them down to make this year's trophy. There you go. <laughs> so, Some, somebody else has a trophy out of your hard work. We uh, East Brunswick High School Bears. We, yes. We truly appreciate you joining us and uh, keep us updated on the organization. And we'll look forward to the next event and other ones coming up after that. Thank you, Jason Jeffrey. Thanks so much. Barcampfoundation.org. Really appreciate it. Have a great one. Thanks. You too. Bye bye. Jeff, it's uh it's always fun to to talk about the things outside of sports in addition to talking the game. And I mean, half a million dollars going directly to help out people, not overhead on a charity or something like that is is really what you want to hear. Well with with regard to charities, it's always difficult because you don't with large the larger the charity the less likely you are to know where the money is going. And it's admirable that he's working on a charity and making sure he sees the benefits of the charity. And, and I think that's it's important because the more people see the kind of things that they're doing with the money that they raise and the awareness that they raise, the more involved more people get. I mean, we've, we've just talked about uh, the sleep out that I did and seeing it. And seeing where that money and and who it's impacting just makes it all the more worthwhile to me, at least. Without a doubt, it's it's good to know, you know, that, that people are really seeing it. Um, you know, we'll leave the serious talk there and get back to the the fun world of sports for for a few minutes yeah. before we hit the break. And well, plus we should. I, I don't know about you. Let's let's try to go. To what? Bruise with the bullies. Uh, you may have to go yourself. That's my wife's birthday. Uh, I'd, I'd like okay. to be able to come home that evening. I, I do. It to, you know, when he first said it, I thought he said bruised with the bullies, <laughs> which also would have made but sense. You could be right? bruised with yeah. the bullies afterwards. Uh, you know, we'll see. We'll see how it works Depending out. Depending on whether they're drinking while they're serving. Yeah, no, it, he was. Uh, he was great, and uh, you know, the event seems like you know a great opportunity for a really good cause, and mm-hmm. and so we'll we'll keep updated with that. You and I will follow up on on whether I get out there, or you get out there, absolutely. But we'll do more. Let's uh, let's get back to the football real fast. Last weekend was wild. Three or four home teams lost. Both six seeds advanced. Combined 58 first-half points is the second-fewest in the last 15 years. Only the Colts and the Cowboys scored touchdowns in the first half of Wild Card Weekend. I think it's going to be a little different this weekend. I, th- I think we're going to be talking a lot of football even after the break. Yeah. Should, should we squeeze in a little bit of Phillies talk here? Oh, we could do that. All right. I'm always willing to talk Phillies. Right. Okay, so here's the thing. 
you and I have been talking for a while. Are we going to be disappointed when our hopes are getting up? This is like the epitome of hopes gotten <laughs> up. So I'm just going to explain to you the last 24 hours of news, okay? Yeah. Bryce Harper is meeting with the Phillies tomorrow in Las Vegas. Mm-hmm. Bob Nightingale believes that the Phillies are going to offer him 12 years, $350 million. Yeah. Stop. Then Stop. Yeah, I'm just going to leave that there oh, and okay. move to Manny Machado. Oh, you're just saying end of sentence. End of sentence. Okay. Yeah. Period. Full stop. End okay. of sentence. Then Manny Machado... Um, the third base coach and his longtime mentor from the Orioles was just signed with the Phillies. Yeah. And DJ LeMay, who just signed with the Yankees, so it seems like he may be out of the running, so it seems like it's down to the White Sox and Phillies. I still don't think he's out of the running with the Yankees. Okay. So way to burst that bubble. Anyway. Yeah. Uh, so are we closer to actually having what all this talk was about this week? We're closer to knowing. To knowing, is, is, okay. Is, is really where we so are. So it's not having, I mean, it's I mean, knowing. If you remember, Manny Machado originally said that he was going to announce his decision right after New Year's. Then he had an announcement to announce that he was going to be making his announcement at some point in the next few weeks. It, it, it's, it's getting to the point where the star players are not signing until they get very close to spring training, which is messing up everybody else's rosters because people try to sign the stars first. No, what it's messing up is off-season Twitter. That's what it's messing up. No, actually, that ca- <laughs> it's, keep, it's keeping all these rumors because what ends up happening is— But like the get, reporter who said that they just signed Manny Machado on Twitter, Jeff. Right, exactly. <laughs> I mean, it, it starts to, it's, it becomes theater of the absurd. But, but one of the things that happens, with especially with Twitter, is— Every time they follow somebody or unfollow them, that becomes oh, the story of the day. That was my favorite today is that somebody searched the code on the website of MLB.com and saw a page that had Bryce Harper and the Phillies listed. Yeah. So that was the latest hint that he's coming to the Phillies. I can't with this stuff. Uh, th- there's no way that I, the MLB knows where Bryce I, Harper is going. I just, the, the speculation, I just want them all to make decisions already. It's enough. But he, but here's the, pro- at least with Machado, he's becoming a full-time employment act for everybody else around him because, <laughs> because the White Sox have decided to sign John Jay, whose career is basically over. So they're just signing him in the it's hopes that it's not over be- if he's a recruiting tool for Manny Machado. I don't. Do you do you sign a bunch of guys that you can't use? I don't think Yonder Alonso. I don't that know. Good These either. guys aren't like out of high school where they're hiring their coach because it's the only person they've ever known. Right. Like, well, that's what the Phillies did. The Phillies decided to hire the guy who is the mentor since he was 16 years old to Manny Machado. So. The, the Phillies actually did something I think that is a little more economical and I think actually would have more of an impact than his buddy being on his team. His buddy. Because after a while, it doesn't matter if your buddy's on your team if you're in, stuck in a 10-year contract and your team stinks, right? So that, then we get to Bryce Harper. Okay, fine, they're going out to Vegas. Now the question is, do you really want to spend 12 years, $350 so- million, for I'm going to give you stats – because this this surprised me. Bryce Harper has now played for seven years. I get that he was very young when he came up. He has only hit 100 RBIs one time. It was exactly 100 RBIs. It was this year. His career batting average is 279. He only had two years over 30 home runs. One was 42, and that was three years ago. And one was 34. The rest of the time, he has not cracked 30 home runs. So I'm going to say that I think that they're going to change the shift rule. 
and none of those stats are going to matter anymore. I don't think they're going to. I look, do. There, there's nobody who hates the shift more than that. I know. On this entire planet. I think they're going to change it. And th- th- as much time as I have spent disdaining the shift, you think we're stuck I with it. don't know how they fix it that doesn't become even more absurd. Oh, than I the didn't shift say now. that they won't make it worse. I think they're going to change it. Right. I, I just. We're we're hoping for a rule change so that we can sign a guy for three hundred and fifty million dollars. Hope, Jeff. Hope. I All did right. enjoy you That's making true. the calculation of here's his age, like the back yeah. of the back of the like notepad math. Here's his age. If we sign him for twelve years, here's how old he's going to be at that point. Oh my god, we're never going to get that money out of the contract type uh-huh. thing. That was fun before the the show in. Oh yeah, well, you, well here's here's what you have to do with a long contract. It's not our money. So then you sit there and you say, okay, is he worth it? If it's a 12-year contract, you're basically hoping that eight of those years are, are all-star years. And then you figure out the last four years, you're just going to eat the money. Or as you called it, the Bobby Bonilla years. <laughs> so that's, that's what you kind of hope for. I don't care how good a player he is. You can't predict how a player is going to be 12 years from now. So we're going to have to go to break in a second, but I'm just going to ask you the simple question. At this time next week, are one or both of those players going to be a Philadelphia Philly? No. Because they haven't made a decision? Yeah. Okay. That's going to be the last word for the segment then. Very profound, Jeff. (laughs) Stick with us when we come back. We've got Eagles insider Dave Spadaro. We'll talk a little more football and a little everything else. Stick with us. Are you looking for a lifeline? Verizon New Jersey Shares Communication Lifeline is a statewide nonprofit that provides assistance to individuals and families living in New Jersey, those who are in need of temporary help in paying their communication and energy bills. Want to know how to apply? All you need to do is call Verizon New Jersey Shares at 1-888-337-3339 or visit on the web at www.NewJerseyShares.org. It's quick and easy to sign up, but remember, you must be a Verizon Residential Landline customer to apply for eligible programs. That's Verizon New Jersey Shares, keeping the lines of communication open for you and your family. Taking you into the weekend with the latest news in the world of sports. With the biggest names on and off the field. It's the heart of sports each and every Friday at 4 p.m. on 610 ESPN. With former players, reporters, and commentators like Adam Schefter, John Runyon, Keith Jones, Trey Thomas, and Doug Glanville, Jason Springer and Jeff Cohen cover the agony and ecstasy of fandom while weaving in conversations about the impact of sports on society. That's the heart of sports, Fridays at 4 p.m. Welcome back to the Heart of Sports with Jason Springer and Jeff Cohen. Jeff, you ready to keep talking some football? I am. Uh, I think we have Dave Spadaro on the line, the, the Eagles insider. Dave, how you doing? Boys, I thought we were going to talk about badminton today. Well, we can, well, if you, we if can you, go there. We can. You're going to have to provide most of the insight, though. <laughs> that's why we bring a guest on. You can take it wherever you want to go, Dave. <laughs> yeah, that's, I, like the, I like the freedom that you provide. There. Um, you know, Dave, Happy New Year. Happy New Year. Da- Dave, the last time we had you on, you were sitting across from me. I was, I, I was out of words to describe the Eagle season. And I had, in, in all the years that I have watched you and, li- and, and read your stories, never heard you so down. As you were the last time we had it on the show. Was that right at? Was that right after the Saints game? Yes, it was. Yes, it was. <laughs> yeah, it was. It, you were you were you were getting ready for draft season. It, it was a tough week. <laughs> oh, I don't know about that, but I was I, I I certainly at four and six. You know, it was very fair to wonder what direction the team was going to take, and 
boy, oh, boy, they've taken the, the great direction to win six of the last seven games. Uh, and even in the game that they lost at Dallas, they played they should have won that game. urgent, hard football. And while it was disappointing, they had a lot more life than they had shown for much of the year. So I was encouraged by that. But to be in this position, I mean, it truly is very re- uh, rewarding, and, and I'm not taking any of it for granted. Nobody is. And I think everybody's just having a lot of fun with it with the Philadelphia Eagles. All right. so, so you're there every day. Yep. What have you seen over the, the last six weeks that if you had to point to one thing that turned the season around, what is it? Confidence. And I just didn't think they played with much of it early in the year. They didn't have a swagger to them at all. I, I'm not even sure when it really dialed in. I mean, I'll tell you, the fourth quarter of the Cowboys game, they played such great offense and just lost in overtime. Winning against the Giants and the Redskins, gave them life, got them back to 500. And then, of course, going out to the Rams and winning that game while the rest of the NFC lost. I mean, that's one thing that people kind of forget in this whole thing. The Carolina Panthers took a nosedive. The uh, uh, Green Bay Packers took a nosedive. The Vikings went south. And that allowed the Eagles to get into the playoffs. Yeah. (laughs) Allowed the Eagles to get into the playoffs at 9-7. and And it doesn't matter, as they always say, how you get in. It doesn't matter where you're positioned. When you're in, you've got a shot, and that's what the Eagles have, and now we're down to the last four teams in the NFC, and uh, and the Eagles are still breathing. Before we get to this week in New Orleans, take us back to last week for a second. I've enjoyed watching during the week the mic'd up segments where you see Malcolm talking trash to Cody Parkey before the play and the reaction yeah. on the sidelines and the, and the locker room after. Take us through the end of the game with the team and the reaction afterwards because as a fan, uh, that was heart-stopping. <laughs> Yeah, so I, I'll give you my experience. I had, I, my job uh, on road games is to get down to the field. We'll do live interviews after a victory. So during that last Eagles drive, uh, right around second down, the, as the Eagles were in the red zone, I headed down to the field. So the play that I missed was the Alshon Jeffrey catch for 11 yards on third and nine to get the Eagles inside the five-yard line. So when I got down to the field, the Eagles are inside the five. It was second down. A, a, a run play, Darren Sproles stop. Third down, run play, Darren, Bro- Darren Sproles stop. Fourth down, they, they throw to Golden Tate. Or maybe it was first and second they ran, then third they threw incomplete. And then fourth down, the touchdown pass to Golden Tate, which it's funny, he was talking the day after the game about the route. And he had, as we learned later here with this mic'd up thing, he thought it was a run. He, he, he messed up the play initially and was yeah, blocking he, on the play. He turned his head and, inside and said he saw Nick and then turned out yeah, and ran the play. Ran the play, right. So um, uh, so that's a bit of fortune, good fortune. So, you know, they score, the Eagles score the touchdown, and we're going crazy on the sidelines. And There's only a smattering of Eagles fans in Chicago. It's not like it was in Washington or Dallas or Los Angeles or all these road trips where the Eagles fans take over the stadium. The Bears fans were genuinely pumped that their team was in the playoffs, deservedly so. So great euphoria there. Eagles uh, go for the two-point conversion. Wendell Smallwood stops. Everybody's very, very nervous. And then shades of the playoff game in 2003 against the Saints, Tariq Cohen brings the kickoff back into great field position. The Bears get down into field goal, the field goal spot. Everyone is kind of going, all right, you know, I've got my superstition that I'm going through. And I was on the far side of the bench in the bench area. The first kick, we knew Doug was going to call the timeout. Cody nailed it. We all said, great. We wanted Cody, who we all loved because he played for the Eagles and he was a great kid. Um, and we wanted him to make that, that kick as the Eagles iced him. 
and he did. And then the next kick, honestly, guys, it was very difficult to tell. I saw it hit the right up or the left upright, and then I saw it bounce off the uh, crossbar, and then I wasn't sure for an instant. And then you could hear kind of this collective groan from the crowd, <laughs> and just it was it was very much like 2002, Eagles at Veterans Stadium, Rondé Barber interview. Oh, bringing back snap. nightmares, Dave. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, and that, it was. This was the Chicago Bears fans' nightmare. The stadium was silent except for the, those Eagles fans in attendance, delirious, and the bench just sprinted into pure joy. Sprinted onto the field. Five seconds left in the game, and um, you know it was bedlam. It was great, and long wait for the locker room to open. You know, we saw the social media, Brandon Grant playing it. Uh, then it was a very, it was, a, it was an exhausted locker room. I would say that it was. Happy but exhausted. Uh, we get on the on the bus, get on the plane, go to the airport. Long wait on the tarmac to come back from Philadelphia, to come back to Philadelphia from Chicago. The players were very happy. And then kind of everybody crashed and tried to get an hour of sleep before we landed and just kind of got right back into the into the routine. But it was a, a tremendously emotional time. Very, very happy ending. And, um, you know, like I said, the Eagles are – Still getting this thing done, still alive, no matter how it happens. And that was a truly remarkable, you could live for a long, long time, and that would you'd never see an ending like that one. The double doink lives in infamy. <laughs> I, I thought Only after, in Philadelphia. I thought after it hit the, the post that it was falling in until it hit the crossbar. Yeah. <laughs> That's what it looked like to me on TV, and it was just unbelievable. Yeah, well, you know, fortunately... Fortunately, Cody has mastered the art of, of the – well, I mean, look, it, it, as we later learned, Trayvon Hester tipped it, and, and that changed the direction of the kick. And, you know, it, it, there is a human element here. We all do have a lot of strong feelings for Cody, but at the end of the day, it's better that it happened to him rather than the Eagles, and Trayvon Hester really made the great play. And every play counts in the NFL, and that's what's so cool about it. That special teams play, getting that fingertip block – Kept the Eagles alive. And that, that was the first block in postseason history of a field goal for the Eagles. So, little history Correct. there. Yeah. So, yeah, so, so, I mean, so the whole thing has been historic. So, Dave, now they have to get up again and play a team in a city that they're also not going to be able to, the fans are not going to be able to take over the New Orleans uh, Superdome. No. Um, you wrote this week about the silent count and how, how that's yeah. going to play this week. Can you explain that? At home, a quarterback barks out the, the cadence, you know, uh, whatever it is. It's verbal cues. And then the snap count is on two or on three. Well, in a an opposing stadium, in a loud, hostile environment, which the Mercedes-Benz Superdome certainly will be, the Eagles rely on the silent count. And what happens is that both Nick – it's all been rehearsed, choreographed for many months. Uh, there's a series of nonverbal cues that are given to the players. So the players are all looking in at the line of scrimmage, at Jason Kelsey, at Nick Foles. Uh, then they'll, they'll get the cue. Brandon Brooks, the right guard, will – you'll see it a lot of times. And fans watch this. Nick raises up the right leg. And this could be the cue or it could be a, a fake cue or could be a combination of things. But, but from the layman, it looks like Nick lifts his leg up and then Brooks taps Kelsey, and then on account of, in their heads, account of one, two, or three, the Eagles snap the football. So everything has to be very coordinated. 
and then the ball is snapped, and that's the silent count. The only verbal cues that are given are when Jason Kelsey is yelling out protections or adjustments that need to be made either to the left side of the offensive line or the right side of the offensive line. And so you really have to kind of hone in. I mean, it takes great concentration for the Eagles offensive line, the tight ends, and really the wide receivers just kind of look in, and when the ball snaps, they're off. Um, and that's the, that's the art of the silent count. It's very important. You know, uh, the home crowd does make a difference. We saw that last year in the playoffs for the Eagles. And if you're not prepared and you're not focused, you're going to get hit with a lot of delays. You're going to get hit with rushed snaps. You're going to get hit with false starts. And those are drive killers. Those are things that really hurt the Eagles early in the season. I'm sure they'll handle it well. They handled it well last week in Chicago. They should be able to handle it well in uh, New Orleans on Sunday. Your thoughts on the game plan in terms of attacking. Doug continued to try and run the ball, even though they, they weren't having success against the Bears, which isn't completely surprising. Um, New Orleans, obviously, their their secondary on uh, a pass defense isn't quite as effective as their run defense. Your thought on how the team's going to approach it, and I mean, it's a little bit of you know, Darren Sproles gets to go back to the guys who let him go. Golden Tate had that week last week. What do you think we're looking at here from the Eagles offensively? Yeah, yeah, I think they're they're going to be aggressive. I think they'll they'll certainly take a shot or two down the field. I think they've proven that they can protect holes, but I also think primarily they want to move the chains and get the ball out of Nick's hands quickly and and consume the clock and mix in the run for sure and just try to keep it away from the New Orleans Saints. I think the Eagles believe they can really move the football against the Saints. The key is going to be obviously staying on the field on third down, although I do believe that Doug will be more aggressive going for it on fourth down in this game than he was the first time the teams met. And then when the Eagles get into the red zone, they've got to capitalize. They can't win this game kicking field goals. But I would expect – you know, kind of what we've seen. Nick is getting the football out of his hands very, very quickly. Uh, that's giving his receivers a chance to make catches and make plays with their legs, giving the offensive line an opportunity to kind of make sure that they protect Nick. And I don't think it'll be anything crazy. I think the Eagles will put some stuff in uh, to a wrinkle here, a wrinkle there, some touches here and there from players who normally maybe wouldn't get them or in position of the screen game, what have you. Um, but they'll mix it up and they'll – play to their strength. This offense is in a lot different position than it was eight weeks ago. The Eagles feel like they really very much have more confidence. They're moving the football. They're scoring early in games. They have to score early here. They can't fall behind the Saints. You know, in that first game, on the first possession the Eagles had, it was a fourth in inches, and it was in their own territory, so we understand that, around the 34-yard line. And Doug elected to kick the ball rather than go for it. I have to believe in this instance now he might be inclined to go for it because the Eagles are playing well up front and because they've got to possess the football, they've got to take some chances. They've got to do something to take the Saints off of their game, to put the Saints on their heels, to get the crowd a little bit out of it. And the best way to do that is to put together these long, time-consuming drives that they've done very well of late. So if you look at it, you mentioned getting the ball out quickly. I think Foles got the ball out in like 2.38 seconds against the Bears. Yeah. If you look back at the last couple of games, they've they've gone up against Aaron Donald, J.J. Watt, Khalil Mack, combined for 49 sacks this season. They've had zero against the Birds. So, I mean, they've really kind of figured it out a little bit. Looks like Sam Malu will be back again this week on the line. Your thoughts as we go over to the defensive side of things, uh, 
Fletcher Cox, Michael Bennett have, have really stepped it up in dominant Brandon Graham. But the secondary has really come of age in, in front of our eyes. Um, your thoughts as we go into New Orleans with, with these young players on the back end there and the pressure that the Eagles are going to try and bring to give them a little bit of help? Well, again, they have to bring pressure because if they don't, these young guys who are growing up before our eyes are going to get a lesson from the master. And Drew Brees is the master. And nothing the Eagles do will surprise him. He's been sacked only 17 times in the 15 games he's played this year. You know, he, he gets the football out very well. Now, that all said, the Saints, albeit on the road, they were not as successful and potent down the stretch as they've been. And so that gives you kind of a blueprint. Pressure Drew Brees up the middle, get into his vision, get your hands up, bring a little bit of pressure when you can, and challenge their receivers. I think the Eagles played a lot of cover two, a lot of man-to-man last time. They double-teamed Michael Thomas, and that left Traquan Smith open. He had 10 catches, 100-plus yards. This is the guy who only had 28 catches the entire season. Ten of them came against the Eagles. So, you know, the, the Saints just have, now they've got Ted Ginn back. You know, you kind of pick your poison here. I, I, I believe that Jim will be more aggressive. I think he has to be. The Eagles, I don't think, can rely on the four-man rush. You know, last week they were okay rushing four and letting Mitchell Trubisky try to beat them. And for three quarters that worked really well. The fourth quarter, not so well. Trubisky ended up, you know, gashing the Eagles on a couple of drives, got the Bears into scoring position with that late drive after the Eagles touchdown. And so I just think Jim knows he can't lay back in coverage and let Drew Brees pick this defense apart because Drew will have all the patience in the world. He's not in any rush at all to put the ball in the end zone. They can do it in the short passing game. They can do it in the running game. They can do it in the intermediate game. They can do it with the long ball. So somehow you've got to figure out a way to get Drew Brees off his game. Not many teams have done that. The Cowboys laid out the blueprint just a little bit. Bring a lot of pressure. Make sure you stop the run. What the Cowboys do so well, their linebackers go sideline to sideline, and they're great against the run. Their defensive line occupies the blockers. Their linebackers are relatively free to go get the football, and they do it. And I think that's what the Eagles have to do. They've been winning with the front four. They've got to continue to win. And, in fact, I think dominate with the front four in this game. The last game, look, Drew Brees was almost perfect. His his quarterback rating was a 153-2, four touchdown passes, 353 yards. And I know the Eagles think that the Saints kind of ran it up on him a little bit. I I, got to tell you, if the Saints really wanted to run it up, they could have scored (laughs) 50 points on the Eagles. Uh, They had had opportunities late in the game to do that. And if it comes down to a field goal, what's the chance that we can get a triple doink? (laughs) As long as it goes in, I don't care how many doinks. As long as, as, long as the final doink counts for three points, that's that's all that matters. Well, we will, and Jake Elliott's been really good so far in the playoffs in his career. We will hope that this magic ride continues and we get to have you back on to talk more Eagles in the playoffs yeah. this year. Uh, do appreciate it you joining been fun. us. We've we have yeah, absolutely and, and enjoyed sorry, it. Go ahead. Sorry, I couldn't make it to the uh, to the studio today, guys. I I normally like to. I like to see you face-to-face, eye you up eye-to-eye, but I just couldn't get out. <laughs> you like to stare us down and, and put us on the spot like and have us make picks. You. We get it. We'll have some that's, fried oysters exactly. for us when you're in New Orleans. Safe, safe not, travel. Not, not, a fan, not a favorite of mine. I don't oh. like the I'm – I'm an oyster aficionado, and I don't like oysters all junked up with all sorts of Tabasco and all the things that 
the people in New Orleans do to disguise the taste of their muddy oysters. Sounds like you and Jeff have something to talk about the next time you come in studio. Safe travels to New Orleans, Dave. Thanks so much for joining us as always. Thanks, guys. Have a great weekend. Have a great Thank one. You. All right, Jeff, you could debate him on oysters later. Uh, you know, I, look, I'm, I'm, I'm with him. I'd rather have just a, a clear oyster with a little cocktail sauce on it. But, but there's something when you go to New Orleans, you got to have those the fried oysters, and, and they just do them up right. Can I'm, get, I'm not a I'm not a po' boy guy. That, no, that's kind of muddy up the oysters, but but a good fried oyster from is is. Can I, I give you a bit of life. history for this game that's apropos of nothing? Oh, here I know where you're going. This will be the first game in NFL history where two Super Bowl MVP quarterbacks that played at the same high school will face off in a playoff game. What do you think about that? What are the odds of that actually <laughs> happening? So few people actually win a Super Bowl. Westlake High School doesn't need There's to There's something in the right? water there. Yeah. I, I don't know. All right. Are you going to make a pick on this game, Jeff? I've already said I think the Eagles are going to win. I think it'll be a little higher scoring than you know we'd like, 34-31. Mm-hmm. Um, over-under on the game is 51. Saints are eight-point favorites right now. It opened at like six and a half and went up. What are your thoughts? 38-33. Who? Eagles. Oh, you mm-hmm. surprised me there. Yeah, I didn't did. think that was going to happen. Mm-hmm. All right. I got Brett behind the glass, Mr. Chiefs fan, at least for this year. Uh, at least for this week. <laughs> After this week, he's going to have his. Th- ne- I-, I predict that next year, Brett will either be rooting for the Raiders, wherever they are, <laughs> or the Broncos, because he only appears to like teams in the AFC, AFC, West. AFC West. Yeah, AFC West is the best, but no, I don't like <coughs> Oakland Raiders because they. Uh... You know, got in the way of my pool. They won't be the Oakland Raiders I mean, I, next week. It's all, they could be the San Diego about, Raiders, it's the all Vegas Raiders. Brett's Nobody knows where success. they're going to The Raiders cost Brett in a in a fantasy pool, and he's not happy about yeah. it anymore. Chargers and Broncos the last two years, so right. I don't really like this. Team. Jeff, Colts at Chiefs Saturday night, 435. Chiefs are five-and-a-half-point favorites, over under 56 or 57, depending where you're going. Does Andy Reid have to win this game for questions to not be Start to be asked. He's been the coach since 2013. Probably one of his better teams right now, despite the fact that Mahomes is young. It's his guy. Mm-hmm. Your thoughts? I just think their defense is so bad that it doesn't matter what Mahomes does. I mean, I watched the Colts tore apart the Texans last week. They did. I mean, it was really impressive. And it wasn't just impressive on offense. Andrew Luck looks like the Andrew Luck that got drafted first now. His arm is clearly healthy. How lucky are they, the Colts that they have Frank Reich as their coach and not Josh McDaniel right now? Oh, I agree. But but here here's what I'm I'm most impressed with is the offensive line that they finally have put together to block for him. They appear to be just nasty guys. They're like an old school offensive line that just they're down and dirty and, and nobody is going to touch their quarterback. Yep. But their defense is just, I mean. They got a young, impressive defense that flies yeah, around. Uh, against a Houston team that's really good. And I think that they're, they are not going to, I, I don't think the Chiefs are going to be able to outscore the Colts. All right. I'm, a, I'm anticipating Brett's comment with Andy Reid. So a Chiefs fan believes that the Chiefs are going to choke with Andy Reid. Is, yeah. is that where we are, Brett? That and our defense suck. Okay, so you don't you don't have faith this weekend? No, not expecting I, the worst, but hoping the best. I think the Colts are going to win the game. Um, yeah. They're they're playing. They're one of the better teams in football right now in terms of how they're playing. It's not flashy; it's just efficient. You know, every team this week that's on the road has a legitimate. I, I was going to say every road team has a shot. Yeah. Let's get to Saturday night: Cowboys at Rams. 
This could Here's be. Here's the one that I hope that, that the home team wins. I think that the Rams are going to win this game. I'll put that out there to start. But yeah. I don't think it's going to be easy for them. And I think there's going to be a no, lot of Cowboys fans in that stadium. Uh-huh. Just like when the Eagles went out there, the L.A. fan base is what it is. There's a lot of Cowboys fans it's that live out in L.A. There is no such thing LA as an fan L.A. Base. fan base. I, I know. Yeah. But, you know, everybody seems to want the next Sean McVay in this coaching search. But as you noted in the document, he hasn't won a playoff game in his career yet. Yeah, I mean, look, it's only two years. But but the fact is <laughs> we, we, we have anointed him as the next great thing. And anybody who appears to know him seems to be getting a coaching job now, too. So uh, first, let's win a couple games before we start anointing him. He has done an impressive job turning the team around, no doubt. But other than Aaron Donald, that defense is not impressive. It sounds like you're picking the Cowboys. <sighs> no. Go ahead. I'm going to make you do no, it on the No, I'm not because, <laughs> I, because I think that Jared Goff and the offense is pretty darn good. So I don't think that they're going to cover seven and a half points, but I do think that the Rams are going to pull it out. And I have to say that, that I am partly doing this with my heart because I just you can't pick the Cowboys. bring myself to, to, to pick the Cowboys. Yeah. That was the only loss I had last week, picking Seattle against the Cowboys. It just didn't happen. Seattle. I didn't understand. You, you take the hand, the ball out of the hand of your quarterback. Who's one of the best quarterbacks in the league this year. And just keep running the ball. I didn't get that. I know they're a running team, but right. they made no sense to me. Their game plan, none, especially with the year that Russell Wilson's had. Chargers at Patriots. Pats a four point favorite over under forty seven. Uh, a couple notes: Tom Brady seven and zero against Philip Rivers, but uh, the Chargers aren't the same old Chargers. Um, no. Besides, I mean, look, I'm disappointed. I will continue to call them the San Diego Chargers, and <laughs> if they have a problem with it, they can call. That's because you're a Chargers fan uh, going back. But, but yeah, I mean, as a you kid, like I love the blues. helmets. Yeah, and Dan Fouts and the whole Eric Coriel. But this team is different than any Chargers team that I can remember in that they actually have a defense. And, and that defense is very good. And that offense, they finally have a running game with Melvin Gordon and Ekelar. See if they can stay healthy. Yep. They're, well, they're they're also getting back. And I don't know if you saw. Did, Henry. Way, did you did you see the the Melvin Gordon where he was in a cab in Baltimore yes. last week? How he, how great he, was that? The, the was cab he in a cab? Drive. He was in an Uber. Or something yeah, he was like in that. an Uber, and, and the he Uber was videotaping the Uber guy saying, <laughs> "I don't like the Chargers, but I like that Melvin Gordon guy." <laughs> I love when athletes do that. It's it's kind of fun. They are getting Hunter Henry back. Yeah. Uh, he, now I don't. I don't look. You're getting Hunter Henry Henry back after being out all season. I don't know how much he's going to add to it. I look if they can get anything out of him, it'll be great. But that wide receiver core is good. Philip Rivers is locked in. And for some reason, this team seems to have a mission that playing on the road is their place because they're playing in a soccer stadium at home, that and nobody goes to it. Wonder whether I haven't seen the weather report. If there's going to be snow up there in New England. I, I don't think. It, I, I really don't think it matters. I think this is the year that that's that the Chargers get past. So you're the picking against the Fighting Belichicks. Yeah, I just I don't think that team. I think team so is too. A, I, I think Gronkowski is literally on his last leg. He he just. For his impre- <laughs> literally, he, he literally, I, he just can't stay up anymore, and he's had an impressive career. But I just don't think they don't have wide receivers. They don't have a running game. Their defense is is mediocre at best. They really are just not. They're a shell of themselves. Little history to be made in that game. Sarah Thomas will become the first woman to ever officiate an NFL playoff game. Yeah, stay away from the Belichick sideline. <laughs> yeah, look. 
I'm glad that we're starting to take away some of those firsts. You mm-hmm. know, we can do, it's just become, I mean, we've gone to a bunch of basketball games, there's female referees now. It's just starting to become normal. You're getting female announcers. You get So, it, you know, there isn't a question about those things, but this will be a first for her in the playoffs. Yeah, and, and, and hopefully it just becomes something that we don't even think about. Okay, so let's do coaches real fast before the end of the show because there have been what appears to be seven circus. of eight positions that are right now in line to be filled. Any thoughts on the people who are filling them? And then can you explain to me if it's a problem that five of the eight people who were fired were African-American coaches and seven of the eight people who seem to be in line for jobs are not? Look, you can't, you can't just do that comparison and say there's a problem i didn't say there's a problem i asked no no, but but the thing i have a problem with is is the lack of patience with ownership and general managers you mean like anthony lynn getting fired after one year in in arizona so they could hire cliff kingsbury who didn't do anything at texas tech and then was the offensive you're you're talking well not anthony lynn anthony or not anthony lynn at uh um you know what I'm saying. Yeah, now I know what you're Appreciate talking. you correcting me on the air. Uh, like no that. problem. Way to be there, Jeff. Because <laughs> Anthony Lynn is actually one of the coaches that's left. I was making and he's done a, great a job. good point, and I screwed up a minor detail. I, I, I just uh, You just couldn't let that fly. I, I don't think that you can, you can have as little patience as they had. I mean, I expressed, I think, last week on the air that, it, to me, it, the Cardinals are the epitome of the general manager trying to save his own bacon, so he just gets rid of a coach who's 3-13, and 13, who was taking over a team that's bad with a rookie who's who needs to be developed. It just doesn't make sense. But some of these guys that have been hired make even less sense. Adam Gase and, to the Jets. Uh, well, that one I actually I, – I know there are some Jets fans that are concerned about it. I actually think Adam Gase is, is a pretty good choice for the Jets. I don't get – besides, I don't think them they should have fired the coach in, in uh, Arizona. Cliff Kingsbury – Makes no sense to me. Zero. This is a guy who couldn't succeed at Texas Tech. Well, okay? So explain to me, how's he going to get a staff? I don't have enough time to explain to you how he's going to get a staff, but he is going to have Vance Joseph, the former Broncos uh, head coach, as his defensive coordinator. We've only got 20 seconds, but I think that his hire makes the draft very interesting because he had said that he would draft... Kyler Murray out of Oklahoma, who now appears like he's going to go in the draft, and he's got Josh Rosen there already. Well, I hope he's. I hope Kyler Murray's got special lifts in his shoes. Well, we will figure that all out. Nice shot at short people. Thank you so much for joining us this week. Make sure to join us next Friday night to help you start your weekend in style. Have a great one, and we'll talk to you next week. Bye-bye.